This is the Learning Curve Podcast, and we are in revival here at Abundant Grace Church. This is Pastor Scott Rambo, and these are the messages from each one of our services. Enjoy.
that I need a Savior, that I need a Savior, that I need a in this life the more I need him we're going to turn the service over to brother Jesse and his family amen I've, I've so appreciated them this weekend I, I hope that people have been blessed by them I, I know that I have I know that I have Well, good morning. So good to be with you again this morning. Um, <clears throat> back in the house of the Lord again today. Um, they're going to sing for you guys one more time. Uh, love my family. Appreciate them. Uh, their labor of love for the kingdom of God. And I want to say this morning how thankful that we are that you guys would invite us back uh, again this year. And uh, you make it feel like home. And uh, we're th so thankful for that. And um, I'm thankful just to be a small part of what the Lord is doing here in this church in DeVille. So always what I say, uh, I, love, I love the body of Christ, right? No matter where you go, you're home. The body of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so thankful to have been a part and thankful for the ministry uh, that's here and all that they do, laboring for the kingdom and, and everything uh, that you've done this week to make it a wonderful weekend. Uh, wonderful event, wonderful services, and, um, and I pray that our lives are changed together today. All of us, uh, like uh, what Brother Matt said before he sang, we need a Savior this morning, amen? By the grace of God, I've been, I've been a Christian since April the 19th of the year 2000, and I need a Savior. I, I say... We say just as much today as I did then, but I recognize more today that I need him than I even recognized upon salvation. So I thank God today, and I'm trying to word it correctly. I thank God for his availability. I thank God that he has offered himself to us freely as the Savior that we need. And it's all about him. He's the center and everything revolves around Jesus. All of our worship, you know that God calls us to worship and our worship is supposed to be vertical, not horizontal, amen? We don't worship one another and lift one another up, but our worship is vertical. It ascends to the one to whom all glory and honor belongs. So as they sing for you uh, one more time this morning, let's just continue to worship the Lord in spirit and in truth, Jesus the center of everything. Jesus at the center of it all.
we will conclude the series that we've been on, looking at the glory of God. Uh, we began Friday evening with redirecting our focus to the glory of God. Um, yesterday evening, the glory of God that has been revealed in the person and the work of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And this morning, we will conclude with the glory that shall be revealed. If you have your Bibles this morning, I would ask you to turn with me to the book of 1 Peter, chapter number 4. That's 1 Peter, chapter number 4. We'll be reading verses number 12 through number 14. Praise the Lord. 1 Peter, chapter 4, beginning in verse 12. Let's pray together this morning and then let's read. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for the gift, the unspeakable gift of your son, Jesus, that you have given for us. I pray this morning for solemnity in this house. 
I pray that every heart would be turned to you, that every mind would be intently focused upon your word. Enlighten us and open our eyes by the goodness of your spirit and the power of your grace. Cause us to see the reality of your glory before us and cause us to hope for and long for and to look forward to your appearing when the glory that shall be revealed will be uncovered before our eyes. Father, let your word be a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Anoint me and use me. May you receive all the praise and the worship in Jesus' name. Amen. 1 Peter 4 and 12. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal among you, which comes upon you for your testing, as though some strange thing were happening to you. But to the degree that you share the sufferings of Christ, keep on rejoicing. So that also at the revelation of his glory, you may rejoice with exultation. If you are reviled for the name of Christ, you are blessed. Because the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. You can be seated this morning. Um, here in the text... Here in the text, Peter is admonishing and encouraging Christians who are suffering for the cause of Jesus Christ and who are going through great persecution and tribulation in their life. And he's reminding them that what they have seen, like we talked about last night, the revealed glory of God, Although it is wonderful and it makes the Old Testament perfect and not everyone can see it, but those who do see the glory of God revealed in the person of Jesus Christ, we rejoice in thanksgiving and humility recognizing that this is only by the grace of God. He is encouraging them to let them know you ain't seen nothing yet. Have you ever watched... Um, Ever watch one of those infomercials? I feel like I feel like I'm on one this morning. The infomercials where they're selling the knives, and the guy takes the knife and he's cutting through steel that the that the military uses to make an army tank with, right? And he's just badgering the knife on the steel, and he shows you, look, after 27 times of cutting it on this piece of steel, when you turn the knife over and drop a tomato from two foot in the air, it still will slice the tomato wide open, right? I'm not knocking his knife. Usually if you drop a tomato from two foot in the air, it'll bust wide open on the flat counter. But anyway, that's not here nor there, right? And then you sit there and you watch the infomercial and you say to yourself, if you're one of the people that says, says this to yourself, you say to yourself, wow, look at this knife. It still cut the tomato. I mean, look at that. He's slicing through a pineapple with it, right? He's fruit ninja. He throws it in the air. He slices through it. And you're thinking, wow, and look, this comes with a spatula. And it comes with scissors. And it comes with this and with that. And just when you think it cannot get any better, the gentleman on the infomercial with much enthusiasm at this point, at this point, someone, usually my wife from the kitchen, has yelled out something like, please turn the volume down on that, because now he's getting really exuberant at this point, and he says his, their, their statement, it's famous, we laugh about it because they all say it, right? He says, but wait, there's more. I guy this morning. I do. We've been talking about the glory of God, and I haven't even scratched the surface with my finite ability, uh, tripping and stumbling over all my words, right? Trying to tell you how good God is, and how the glory revealed in the Old Testament was in part, and Jesus completed that, and now we have the revealed glory of God in the person of Jesus Christ. How remarkable is that, right? And how that, uh, how that God is calling us as believers of Jesus to redirect our focus from the things that so easily captivate us and catch us in our sensory, right? To redirect our focus to that glory of God. And I stand before you this morning and I think to myself, I think to myself, what more could you say? What more could you tell them? And I stand before you and I tell you, wait, there's more. That's what Peter's saying in the text that we read this morning. And I so, I want to say this. I so appreciate the way that this service was started, the way that this service was opened. I do. 
I so appreciate Brother Matt as he opened the service and he read through the Psalms and he began to talk very solemnly and very sober-mindedly about the Scriptures. And, and I, I say that because in order for us to really understand what Peter's getting at, we have to take a few things into consideration this morning and I pray that by the grace of God we do. You live in a society and in a culture in the great United States of America, land of the free, home of the brave, and I thank God for the freedoms that we enjoy and the men and women who have sacrificed so much so that we could enjoy these freedoms. I don't want you to think I'm one of those people who take that for granted. I'm not. I just want to make a point to you this morning that millions of people in our nation will gather in services kind of like this and settings kind of like this and and I want to say this this morning without trying to be, without being over the top or being rude in any way, shape, or form, or coming across as abrasive or arrogant this morning. But services will be opened this way. People will gather in, the preacher will stand up, he will get, grab the microphone, and he will say, how y'all doing this morning? It's great to see everybody. And um, we want you to have a good time today. We have a great program scheduled for you. Great songs picked out. Very short sermon. Because we want you to enjoy your morning here. huh? Uh, turn the lights on real bright so I can see everybody. Everybody give me a big smiling face. I hope you've had enough coffee this morning. right? I hope you're in a good mood and we're just going to get right in and have a great time and, and enjoy our time together. As a pastor, I pastor a church in Generate, Louisiana, and have been for the past seven years. As a pastor, when people walk through the back doors of our church, I want them to feel loved, I want them to feel welcomed, and I want them to feel convicted. God, give us solemnity and let us consider the reality of what James says in the Scriptures, that our life is a vapor and let us this morning, in order for us to comprehend and redirect our attention and our focus on the glory that is to come, we have to understand what Peter's talking about. The reason why that type of an opening, that type of an introduction to a worship service doesn't really work right for me, I want a solemn opening, is because when we come to this place and I take this microphone and I look at you, I'm talking about eternity, ladies and gentlemen. For us to understand what Peter's talking about, he's talking to people who are being persecuted for the cause of Christ. And what he's saying to them is, I know life's not easy and it's very difficult. And God has called you to bear a burden that some people may never have to bear. But I want you to bear that well. Because there is something that awaits you that far outweighs every tribulation that you can go through. Do you know that Paul tells us that glory is a weighty thing? Do you know that? Paul says that gl the glory of God is a very weighty thing. And he says the weight of glory, it far surpasses the light afflictions that we face in this life. Paul is not speaking of the temporary. Ladies and gentlemen, Paul is speaking of the eternal. Peter's not talking temporarily. Peter is talking of the eternal. And who better to reference the glory of God that is to be revealed than Peter, James, or John? Do you know why? Because in the book of uh, Mark chapter 9, you guys are going through Mark, right? So in the book of Mark chapter 9, verses 1 through 9, you find where Jesus chose Peter, James, and John and brought them to a high mountain apart. And there on the top of the mountain, Jesus was transfigured. They saw the glory of Jesus can you imagine as Jesus was before the foundation of the world? And there he talked with who? With Moses and with Elijah. They were representatives of what? Moses the law, Elijah the prophets. Peter, James, and John looked and they saw the law, they saw the prophets, and they saw grace and truth in the person of Jesus Christ. So who better to tell us this life is but a vapor than James? Who better to tell us to look forward to eternity than the one who knows that there is more to this life than we live and that we die? God has inspired Peter by the power of the Holy Spirit to remind us of eternity. Now eternity is a very weighty matter. Eternity is a very weighty subject. In America, it's not a Sunday morning topic. Not in America. 
Eternity's too heavy. I say this all the time. Like, like people come to the church on, on Sunday mornings. I say, I don't know what you guys were expecting, but get, get ready for some, some weight. It's going to be very heavy this morning. Why? Because we live in a society today that we're so focused, we're trained we are trained to be so focused on ourselves and on the temporary, on what we have, on who we are, on our entertainment, our enlightenment, our enjoyment, that we never have time. And this is the trick of the devil. This is the deception of the evil one to distract our minds so that we never think about the reality of eternity. But let's think about that for a moment this morning, ladies and gentlemen. If we're going to think about the glory of God that will be revealed, right, then we understand that we still see in part even though God has opened our eyes to see the person and the work of Jesus Christ, yet we have not uh, beheld the fullness of the glory that shall be revealed when he says to us, well done, good and faithful. Enter into the joy of your Lord. And I always say when he says that to me, I'm going to be the guy doing this. Who's he talking to? Good and faithful. That's not me. But he's not speaking of my goodness or of my faithfulness, but of the goodness of the one who saved me by his grace and the faithfulness of the one who has a name written on his vesture, dipped in blood, which no other man can ever wear. Faithful and true, right? So when I talk of the glory that's going to be revealed, I'm not talking about a new house or a new car or a new job. You may need those things. I'm not saying they're inherently bad, but that's not what I've come to talk about. I've not, I've not come to talk about health, wealth, prosperity, popularity this morning. I've come to talk about eternity. Eternity. And the glory of God that shall be revealed in the person of Jesus Christ, it awaits us when we cross from this life to the next life in eternity. So let's take a look at that which seems so difficult to look at. That which seems too deep to think about or too heavy to ponder upon, especially during a revival and in a sun, on a Sunday morning service, but something that is so desperately needed for you and I to look upon intently. Let's think about eternity. Well, when we think about eternity, what do we think about? We think about how God has allotted us just a few short years in this life to live. But that's pretty important. But he's also allotted us a few short years to make a right decision. Now, you'll be faced with a lot of decisions in your life. None more significant or more important than the one of what will you do with Jesus. So let me ask you that question this morning, and let me remind you, you only have this life to choose. You only have this life right here, and, 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 and this, isn't, this isn't a scare tactic. I know people have used it this way for years and years. This is not a scare tactic by me. I promise you that. But you only have this life to choose. What are you going to do with the person of Jesus Christ? And you don't know how much of this life you have. You don't. You don't. Your days are appointed, and you don't know when that appointment is. Think about it. You had nothing to do with your birth coming into this world, right? And you have no idea what the appointment is for your departure from this world either. So when you think about eternity, you think about the reality that you've been given one life to live and one opportunity to make it count, right? Now, there are movements such as nihilism. Have you ever heard of nihilism? If you haven't, let me explain it. Nihilism is the belief that we came from nothing and we go to nothing and everything is nothing. And many of those that adhere to nihilism fall into deep depression, even some into suicidal attempts and thoughts and even the completion of that, right? Why? Because this is what happens. If we're nothing and we came from nothing and we die, it's just lights out, and we go back to nothing, what happens when this life, because you, you only get few years, what happens when this life doesn't go the way you planned it? What happens when the doctor gives you news that, that no one wants to hear, right? What happens when, when your career fails or, or, or God forbid, uh, homes fall apart, families break up, marriages fall apart? Well, within nihilism, there's no hope. Because we live, we die, I've wasted the past 40 years of my life and uh, been, been, been engulfed in, just say, an addiction or, or whatever the case, right? And, 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 and I've wasted that and now it's about to be over with and now I go back to nothing and it just nothing. How many could literally raise your hand in here and say your life has went perfectly according to the plans you had for it? You either? You mean you too? I'm not the only one, Right? None of our lives go according to the plans that we, that we make for them or even the way that we wish that they would go, but there's hope because of Christ, right? There's hope because we understand, not, as, not with a nihilistic view, but with a biblical view, we know that this life is not all that there is. 
It's not you live, you die, and then it's lights out. But we understand that to be absent from the body as a believer is to be present with the Lord. Hebrews says, it is appointed unto men once to die, and after this death, the judgment, eternity awaits. And the scale of our life compared to eternity, I can't even explain it. Like, how do you, how, how do you think about eternity, ladies and gentlemen? Do you think about eternity in the, in the scale of 10,000 years? No, that's too short. So do you think about eternity in the scale of a million years? No, it doesn't really cut it. What about 10 million years? Now, now, we, now we get to numbers that I don't even understand, so let's move up, right? Let's go a billion years. Do we think about eternity like that? Or that's, that, that doesn't do it justice, right? Well, what about a trillion years? I don't know. When I was a kid, we used to say a gazillion years. That, that might be, I don't know if that one's a word or not. Maybe it is, maybe it's not. I don't know. But all of those things fall short of eternity. The true definition of eternity is this, with no beginning, and no ending. Now, now I can, I can almost wrap my head around no ending, but no beginning. I don't even know where to start with that one, right? So in, in comparison, the life that we live in comparison to eternity, it's absolutely no comparison at all. That's why Paul says the afflictions that we're called to bear by God in this life are light when compared to the weight of glory that's going to be revealed to us. So I, I, can't, I can't do this. I can't look at the glory of eternity without looking at the other side of the coin this morning first. This is going to get heavy this morning. So let's look at the other side of the coin of eternity. Because I know in the culture we live in today, everybody goes to heaven. I had a relative who passed away who was a very, very immoral man. Had several addictions in his life. Was very immoral never cared for God, desired God, wanted anything to do with God. At his funeral, the preacher stood up and said that he was rejoicing with the angels and he was a model disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. His wife is sitting on the front pew and she turns and looks at someone and says, he can't be talking about my husband. There's no way he's talking about my husband, a model disciple of Jesus Christ, right? I, I know we live in a society today where everybody goes to heaven and that other place we really don't care too much to talk about. That other place, you know that other place, right? Hell. Because sometimes we think, well, that's too heavy, that's too weighty. We live in such a frivolous society, right? Going back to how people open the service, enough of the, enough of the jokes, enough of the comedy, enough of the frivolousness, right? Enough of the things that don't matter, right? Let's talk about something that matters this morning. Let's talk about the reality that hell is real and it enlarges itself daily. Let's talk about the reality that broad is the road that leads to destruction and many people walk in that path. This is real, ladies and gentlemen. This is real. I'm going to say something and you, and you might get so upset with me, but I'm going to tell you the truth this morning. Facebook's not real. It's not. Instagram's not real. Right? It's not real. I'm just being honest with you. It's fake. I, you, you see people, and, and, and they're one way on the thing, and they're a whole other person in real life. This stuff's not real. You know what's real? Eternity's real. Eternity is real. We're going to stand before God and be judged one day. We're going to be judged, not, not by how well we portrayed our lives on social media, not by how many followers we have, how many likes we have, not by, not by how many people praised us or how much money we had. Or, or how well of a, uh, how nice of a house we lived in, how beautiful of a car we're driving. We're not going to be judged by any of those things. We're going to be judged by what did we do with Jesus? Was he just a good man? Was he just a Sunday morning? Was he just a Sunday night? Or was he our life? Was he the glory of God that we saw and also the glory of God that we long to see in eternity as well? So let's talk about the, the flip side of the coin, talking about hell for a moment. We're given a glimpse through the words of Jesus when he describes the rich man and Lazarus, right? The Bible says the rich man and Lazarus died. Lazarus begged for food from his table. The rich man refused to give it to him. They both died. And then the next words that Jesus said is the, from hell, from hell. From hell, the rich man lifted up his eyes and he saw Lazarus. You know, from this picture, you, you know kind of what we understand about hell? It seems as though it has a window but no exit doors, right? Think about that for a moment. Do you know that, before I move forward to this, do you know that hell is filled with two different types of people, the Bible says? I love the way Sproul put this, right? Weepers and gnashers. There will be those that will wake up in hell, and they will weep. Do you know why they'll weep? 
Now, this is sobering. If this doesn't, if this doesn't stir your soul, then your spoons fell out of your bowl. There will be those that will wake up in hell weeping because they sat in services like this. And they heard the truth but disregarded it. They put it off till tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow. And just like the rich man who said, I'll tear my barns down and build bigger barns and I'll keep everything for me. And God said, foolish man. Tonight your soul will be required of you. And they put it off and they heard it, but they rejected it. And they heard it, but they rejected it. They will wake up in hell and they will weep because they realize they missed their moment of opportunity. I, I beg you this morning, don't miss your moment of opportunity. I know some of you, some of you I, have, I don't know you, so I, I'm not making any assumptions this morning. I'm, I'm not allowed as a minister to make any assumptions about your soul this morning. I am commissioned by the grace of God to tell you, do not take for granted your moment of opportunity. Today is the day of salvation. Amen? The rich man took it for granted. And there will be those that will wake up in hell and they will weep because they missed their moment of opportunity. See, here's the thing about the way that God has designed life to be. You've got this life. And when this life has passed you by, you don't get to stand before God. The atheist doesn't get to stand before God and look upon him like John saw him in Revelation chapter 4 and Revelation chapter 5, seated upon his throne, wonderful, holy, and glorious. And the atheist doesn't get to say at that moment, now I believe. I'm sorry. You were, they were all right. I was wrong. I believe. Now, it's too late. It's too late. When's the last time you heard somebody say, too late? We don't hear that enough anymore, right? Why? Because it's not comfortable. We don't hear it enough because it's, it's not inviting enough, because it's not joyful enough. But it's true. There will be people that will wake up in hell and it will be too late. They will hear from the Almighty God, depart from me, worker of iniquity. I never knew you. And they will weep in hell. They will weep. The rich man was a weeper. How do I know that he was a weeper? Because he changed everything about his opinions in hell. In hell, the rich man lifted up his eyes and he saw the beggar Lazarus in the bosom of Abraham. He begged for one drop of water to come and to cool his tongue. And you know what Abraham said? The gulf that separates us, it's fixed. Do you know what that means? Do you know what it means that the gulf that separates heaven and hell is fixed? It means that it can never be changed. It means that once you hear, depart from me, you never get to come back. That's it. Does that not wake us up? Does that not stir our souls? He was a weeper because he said, okay, I can't get to where you are, but I've got family. Can you please send someone back to warn them? You remember what Abraham said to him? Abraham said they have the law and they have the prophets and if they don't believe them they will not believe one as though he came back from the dead to tell them sometimes I look at our world and I look at our society especially my generation and the generations underneath me and I say oh God what would it take to wake them up what kind of a sobering Sunday morning service would it take for them to awaken from the slumber that they're in? Awaken from the false reality that they seem to be living their lives in? Awaken to the reality of God's glory is going to be appearing? Will you look forward to the glory of God at His appearing? Or will it be, the Bible says that the coming of the Lord is described two ways. A great and a terrible day. Great for those who look for the glory of God who shall be revealed. Terrible for those who have rejected the Son of God. So, so let's go through a couple misconceptions about this place, hell, right? i got to finish the Nashers, right? The Nashers are those who wake up uh, and are judged and go to hell. And, and when they go to hell, they are furiously angry at God because how dare God send me to this place? Don't you hear that in our society today? Right? It used to be only God can judge me. I know there's still people who say that. But now it's moved to how dare God judge me. What gives him the authority to judge me? Just the fact that he created you and he made you and he's given you life, right? So, so, so people will wake up in hell and they will be sorry that they missed the opportunity. People will wake up in hell and they will be angry at God. Let's talk about hell. Hell is described as the second death. Hell is a place of eternal separation from the goodness, the grace, the mercy of God. 
but yet never being far enough from God to where you're not under his righteous judgment, wrath, and condemnation for your rejection of Jesus Christ. That's what the second death is. There's a few misconceptions about hell, though. I know I'm, I'm talking a lot about Sheol this morning, right? We've we got to get to the glory that's going to be revealed. We're going to get there. I'm going to build a big old foundation, and I'm going to put a little bitty house on it, okay? So let's talk about a few misconceptions about hell, right? Um, late 80s, is either late 80s or early 90s, most, one of the most popular artists of the time was a rap artist, and he wrote a song, and the song said this, I don't want to go to heaven with the goody goodies. I want to go to hell where the party's at. A few misconceptions about hell. Hell is not a place where all of the fun people who've done everything they've wanted and rejected Christ get to party for all of eternity. Hell is a place of eternal torture and torment, the Bible says. It describes it as being a lake of fire that never dies. It describes it as being a place where the worm never dies. The torment never ceases. Another, another misconception about hell is it's kind of like a prison there. I guess there'll be flames inside of the, uh, the cells. And the devil with his long tail and his big pitchfork, he's the warden of hell, right? And he walks by making sure everything's in its cell the way it's supposed to be. And every, but in actuality, Satan will be under the wrath of the Almighty God, punished and banished himself in hell for all of eternity, right? The devil doesn't control hell, so he can't throw the biggest party that the world has ever seen in hell. That, that's not how it works. Hell was a place that was designed for the devil and the fallen angels, also for all those who reject his son, Jesus Christ, right? So hell is a place that is separated from grace and mercy and goodness and forgiveness, but it's not separated from the wrath of God. And when you get to the book of Revelation in chapters like number 19 and 20, you will see that you should fear the wrath of the Lamb. Right? It doesn't say fear the devil. In fact, Jesus said, do not fear him who can destroy the body, but fear him who can destroy both the body and soul in hell. Right? So, so we see this as a place of the wrath of God, and this place is real. And I know that people think about God as being the big grandpa in the sky. I know people think about God that way, but not so, ladies and gentlemen. Let me explain the big grandpa in the sky thing, right? Well, when, when I was a kid, we had furniture how do you, how do i how do i describe that furniture you know it had all them designs and everything all on it and uh it had wooden handles down the side of it you pulled the three cushions off and the couch was also a bed which we thought was the absolute coolest thing in the world right and, and you would have thought, I don't know how much this furniture set cost. It came with a sofa. It came with a chair that looked just like it, but the chair didn't rock. The chair just sat there, you know. Chair was, it, was, it wasn't the most comfortable thing in the world, right? But it just sat there. I don't know how much this stuff cost, but you would have thought it cost a million dollars. Don't you jump in that. Don't you sit on that too hard, you know. And, and when, you, when you're 14, 15 years old, I've, I've got a 14-year-old now. He has no idea. I don't, I don't know if, how the leg muscles are supposed to work. Um, I can sit down like this. He can't. He just, and falls down in the thing, you know? We did that when we were younger. I mean, you could hear the, it was, mom didn't even have to see you do it. It's like she could hear the thump from the other room, you know? Quit jumping on the couch. Don't sit down on the couch too hard, you know? That, that was mom and dad. That's, that's, that's how we were raised, right? I go over to mom and dad's now, and the grandkid runs. My, my, those wonderful little angels over there, you know? They run from across the room and jump and land on what's now a leather sofa that has a push button and electronically the, the thing comes out. You know, we never dreamed about stuff like that when I was a kid, but now you push the button and, and I always tell my dad if the electric goes out with the leg of that thing up, he's stuck. He can't get out of it, right? It, it slowly comes up and then slowly comes back down again, right? They jump in the thing and I'm waiting. I say, oh my goodness, it's on now. You know, it's on now. And it's either, it's either something like, oh, baby. It never sounded like that when I was a kid. Oh, baby. Not so hard next time, huh? Or, look how cute he is. Look how cute he is. Do you know what would have happened to me if we'd have had a leather sofa with a push button and the thing came out and I jumped on the thing, right? You know what they would have said? But he's grandpa. That's grandma. And, and, and that's funny. That's great. But when we think about God, we think of God that way too. You see, the man who wrote the song and said, I don't want to go to heaven with the goody goodies. I want to go to hell where the party's at. He, he was shot and killed. 
And at his funeral, the preacher stood at his funeral and said, he's singing with the angels in God's choir. Right? But he didn't want to be with the angels in God's choir. But why did the preacher say that? The preacher said that because that's our theology. That's our, that's our view of God. We have such a low view of God that we think doesn't matter how I live my life. It doesn't matter what I choose to do with Jesus Christ. When I stand before God one day, he's the big grandpa in the sky, and he's going to say, hey, I know you didn't love me, you didn't want me, you didn't live for me, you didn't choose me, you didn't serve me, you didn't care about me, but come on into Paul's house. But God is a righteous judge, and even though we live in a society that thinks that no one goes to hell, it enlarges itself daily. I, want, I said all that before we get to the revealing of the glory of God that is to come, because I want you to think about the reality of your eternity. I want you to think about the truth that the scripture paints to us about eternity from hell. The rich man lifted up his eyes and could not get to where the, uh, the rich man lifted up his eyes and could not get to where the beggar Lazarus was and Abraham was. And do you know where that rich man's at today? He's still in hell. And he's not able to get there, nor will he ever be able to get there. There is no place where you burn and pay for the sins that you have committed and the life that is to come. It is either well done, good and faithful, or depart from me, worker of iniquity. Now, we looked at the reality of hell. That's the flip side of the coin, right? And I pray that you have taken that soberly, and I pray that there's solemnity here, and you take that seriously, because now what we move forward to is for those who choose. What are you going to do with Jesus? Those who bow before him and confess him as a Lord and place their faith in him and repent of their sins you ain't seen nothing yet we come to church and the gems of scripture have been mined from the depths of the mind and they're presented before us and as we see the glory of god revealed in scripture it just keeps getting gooder and gooder and you think it can't get any better than this but Ladies and gentlemen, Peter reminds us that there is coming a day. You know what John said in Revelation? John said, behold, he comes in the clouds, and every eye shall see him. I want to remind you of something. Just as hell is a terrible place of eternal torment, oh, eternity with God is going to be something marvelous. So, a few misconceptions about heaven. Right? If you were to look on the, on the ceiling of the 16th chapel, you would see a bunch of naked babies with wings and a few towels draped over their extremities. Right? Apparently, people think, uh, I guess, when you die, you become a naked baby with wings and you sit around on clouds all day and float around, right? Or that when you die, you become an angel because God needed another angel in his choir. But I want to remind you that, and someone said something about this the other night, so I don't, I, I don't mean this in a, I'm going to use it again tonight. I don't mean this in a braggadocious way. I'm going to use it again this morning. I used that word last night. For you that wasn't here last night, that's a real word. Braggadocious is a real word. I don't mean this in a, uh, in a braggadocious way, but you are the crowning achievement of God's creation. Right? And, and when, and when he, the righteous die, they stand before God, but they have been covered by the righteousness of Jesus Christ. They then hear the Father of glory, the creator of the universe, say to them, well done, good and faithful, enter into the joys of your Lord. Now, if, if, that, if that doesn't sit heavily on your chest, let me remind you the goodness of God in that. You don't do anything to deserve that. Nor can you do anything to deserve the joys of your Lord for all of eternity. I'm not talking about sitting on a cloud playing a harp with just a sheet over you. Right? With wings coming out of your back. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about enjoying eternity with Christ forever. And when you think about eternity, I want you to think about everything that's wrong in this world right now. Everything. Everything that's wrong, people call good evil. People call evil good, right? We have perversion on a wide scale right in front of our eyes. Child abuse and neglect, abandonment, abortion, murder, theft. Everything that's wrong in the world, Jesus Christ is going to right all of the wrongs and never again will we be tempted by sin. 
for all of eternity. To forever, for all of eternity, live our lives then in glorified bodies to the glory of God. Now, if you've never been sick, a glorified body maybe doesn't sound that well to you, right? But if you have ever fought anything in your body and you know the deterioration of that body and those things, and you think about the reality that eternity with Christ is going to be a place where there is no pain, where there is no sickness, there will never be a phone call in the middle of the night to wake you up with bad news. Well, maybe that's hard to believe. Maybe you think that's a stretch. Well, Revelation chapter 7. I want to give you a glimpse of the glory that's going to be revealed. It's just a glimpse. It's the best I can do. I could try to put it in my words, but my words fail me. So let me use the words of the Apostle John who actually was carried there and saw it. Revelation chapter 7, beginning in verse number 9. The Bible says, After these things, John said, I looked and behold, a great multitude which no one could count, from every nation and all tribes and peoples and tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes and palm branches were in their hands. And they cry out with a loud voice saying, Salvation to our God, who sits on the throne, and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne, and around the elders, and the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne, and worshiped God, saying, Amen. Blessing, and glory, and wisdom, and thanksgiving, and honor, and power, and might, be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders answered, saying to me, this is John saying this, these who are clothed in the white robes, who are they? And where have they come from? I said to him, my Lord, you know. And he said to me, these are the ones who came out of great tribulation, and they have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. For this reason they are before the throne of God, and they serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will spread his tabernacle over them. They, listen to this, they will hunger no more. They will hunger no longer, nor thirst anymore, nor will the sun beat down on them, nor any heat. For the Lamb in the center of the throne will be their shepherd. He will guide them to springs of the water of life, and God will wipe every tear from their eyes. That's the glory that's going to be revealed. We only see it in part now. It stirs our soul. It makes our hearts skip a beat to think about the reality that this life is a vapor. That's why James said that. He was on the Mount Transfiguration. He saw what, right? He said life is a vapor. It's a vapor. Paul said our, our present sufferings that we go through, they're not worthy to be compared to the weight of glory that's going to be revealed Peter said, when we behold him, we will then be partakers of that glory. Can you imagine the glorious God of the universe has designed a plan for us? Rebels like us, sinners like us, who don't deserve his goodness or his mercy, but he one day will wipe the tears away from my eyes. He will restore and make all things new. This is the glory of God that's going to be Revealed, well, maybe that's not enough for you. Stay in Revelation with me then and go to chapter number 19. We'll read verses 1 through 10 and I'll close. Revelation 19 beginning in verse number 1. John says, after these things I heard something like a loud voice of a great multitude in heaven saying, Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Salvation and glory and power belong to our God because his judgments are true and righteous. For he has judged the great harlot who was corrupting the earth with her immorality and he has avenged the blood of his bondservants on her. If you were to back up to Revelation number 12, what you would find is you would find the saints, the souls of the martyrs underneath the altar and they cry out and say, how long, O God, holy, faithful, and true before avenge us. Now, now that, that may sound a little harsh to you, but I look at the world today and I say, how long before you make the wrongs right, God? 
Huh? We hear about mass shootings, children being killed, and, and, and abortions, and, and, and neglect, and, and, and children being beaten, and, and, and abused, and mistreated. And we say, God, how long before you right the wrongs? Wolves parade around in sheep's clothing, trying to make you think that God cares more about your money than he does about your soul, right? And then the whole world revolves around you and me, and it's not about Jesus. And I hear what they say, and I say, how long before you right the wrongs? But I'm reminded in the scripture that the glory of God that I can't even see in part, it's going to be revealed one day, ladies and gentlemen. Are you ready for that? Are you looking for that? Do you love that? Do you long for that? Or is life still all about you, right? Well, I, where do you stand with this glory that's going to be revealed? Let your kingdom come. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. He's going to right the wrong and avenge the blood of his bondservants. Verse 3 of chapter 19. And the second time they said, Hallelujah! Her smoke rises up forever and ever. He is victorious. Verse 4, And the 24 elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshiped God who sits on the throne saying, Amen, Hallelujah! And a voice came from the throne saying, Give praise to our God, all you his bondservants, you who fear him, the small and the great. Then I heard something like the voice of a great multitude, like the sound of many waters, like the sound of a mighty peals of thunder saying, Hallelujah for the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Now, now, that's really significant. That voice that John heard. This is pretty remarkable, right? This is somewhere, this is somewhere around the year of, I think it's AD, in between AD 90 and AD 95. John has been carried away in a vision, and, he, and he's seeing heaven, and he's hearing these voices, and he said it sounded like peals of thunder. Do you know who he heard? He heard me. He heard me. But I, I wasn't even born then, right? That's the book of prophecy. He heard my voice, and I sounded like a peal of thunder. You, you think I've got a loud mouth now. I'll get real quiet. And I don't know if they're doing this or not, but it sounds like the, the mic gets more volume. And then I get a little bit more excited and I hear the volume go down. And I appreciate that, brother, because you keep me from doing this, right? You keep me from doing this. Thank you for that. But if you think I've got a loud mouth now, you don't want to hear me on that day. Amen. That's what I'm going to say. Hallelujah. What else? offer to God. What else could I say? Amen. Hallelujah. Blessing and honor and wisdom and power and glory and dominion belongs to the God who saved me forever. Now, you know, uh, my wife and my kids, they sing, they do harmony together. They sound beautiful. You know why they never give me a mic to hold? Because I'd mess that whole thing up. Do I love to sing? You better believe I love to sing. You just don't love to hear it. That's how bad it is. But on that day, I'm going to sing a song the angels can't sing because they haven't been redeemed and they have not seen previously the glory of God the way you and I see it today and they won't be able to appreciate the glory of God the way that you and I will appreciate it when he says to me, when he says to me, well done, good and faithful, like get out of my way. I'm being serious because I know I don't deserve it and I know I haven't earned it and I know my righteousness is as filthy rags and I know fallen and come short of the glory of God I'm not talking about pre-salvation yeah that's true I'm talking about since salvation and now I failed come short of the glory of God I don't deserve mercy I don't deserve goodness I don't deserve heaven I don't deserve well done I'm not good I'm not faithful so when he says it to me like get out the way get out the way because I'm going to be one of those bond servants gathered around that throne, crying out day and night, worthy are you. Worthy are you taking that crown off and laying it down at his feet. This is the glory of God that's going to be revealed. Sometimes, I heard this saying, and, and I really believe it's true. This is very true. If you take a person and you put them on a string and you dangle them between heaven and hell and say, choose one. No brainer, right? It's a no brainer. Give me heaven. Dangle me between heaven and hell. The, the real hell and the real heaven and say, all right, make a choice. Easy. Easy choice right there. Now take the same person and hang them between heaven and earth. Oh, there's the problem, ladies and gentlemen. There's where the problem comes in, right? And I know that on my own, I choose earth every time. Left to my own devices, my own will, 
not strong enough to resist temptation. The Bible says that he would shorten the days, the last days, for the very elect's sake, or they would be deceived. You know what that tells you and me? We're not above temptation. We're, we're not, we can't brag on our salvation as though we were so good, we, we would choose Jesus every time. No, you wouldn't. Not just you, me too. I don't want you to think I'm just talking down to you. I'm talking down to myself. No, I wouldn't. And I know I wouldn't. So when he welcomes me into his eternal kingdom and he says to me, well done, and I see the glory of God revealed in the throne, and, and you know people get hung up on that. People say, streets of gold, gates of pearl, walls of jasper, all of the beauty, the beautiful stones. Have you ever went and looked up those stones? They all have one thing in common. They're all reflectors. Huh? And, and when the Bible says the streets are gold, we leave one word off. Transparent. Right? A sea like as crystal glass, do you know what it all is made for? It's not made to divert your attention off of he who sits on the throne. It all reflects the glory of the one who is seated upon the throne. And when we see him and we behold him, I don't know, I feel like I'm about to bust right now, right? What, what was his name? Billy Mays. He's dead now, right? Wait, there's more. There's more glory to come. Yeah, Jesus is so good and he's so wonderful and he's so great. Wait. There's more. An unworthy, like, an unworthy sinner like me is going to hear, well done, and I'm going to bow before his throne and lay my crown at his feet because I didn't deserve that crown anyway. That's his crown. Place upon him the royal diadem and crown him Lord of all and bow before him for all of eternity to live in his glory. To live in his glory. This is the glory that shall be revealed how do you feel about that? I close this way. This is my second closing. What well, the good preacher has three, right? This will be my last one. How do you feel about the revealed glory of God? Is it a great day for you or a terrible day? Are you longing for and looking forward to the revealing of his son? Behold, he comes in the clouds and every eye will see him. Or are you worried that you might be among the weepers? are the Nashers on that day. The glory of God shall be revealed. The world says he's not coming. But the Bible says they're going to say that. Remember Lot's wife, Jesus said. Where do you stand? Are you longing for his return? And looking forward to seeing the glory of God that shall be revealed when he shall wipe every tear away from our eyes? Or is it a terrible day for you? I pray that you would take this opportunity as Brother Matt said, when he opened the service, we need a Savior. I pray that you would take this opportunity to lean upon that Savior. I pray that through the course of this week, our focus and our, our attention has been redirected to the glory of Christ alone. And I pray as we gather here in this service this morning, I pray that we see the Lord's glory more clearly than we ever have. And I pray that our hearts long to see His appearing and His coming. Amen. Let us stand together this morning. Please take advantage of the opportunity that Christ has granted to you today. Please don't let this moment pass you by without considering the reality of your eternity. You know what's amazing to me? As a, as a pastor, I, I preach funerals, several, several funerals. And um, what's amazing to me is we gather around caskets and we weep as we say goodbye to people that we love. And, and we walk away from the casket and we all feel like, won't be us we attend funeral services all the time we say goodbye with grief and sorrow and then when we leave we live as though well it'll never be me it'll never be me I want to remind you this morning as we close this life is a vapor and only what you have done with Christ will matter in the end are you living for his glory and loving his appearing or is it a terrible day for you it doesn't have to be it doesn't have to be Today is the day of salvation. And if you will but place your faith in Jesus Christ and repent of your sins. And what does it mean to place your faith in Jesus Christ, right? It's more than just believing in the existence of him. It's, many people believe in the existence of God, right? If I, were to, if I were to take a two by four, follow me with the two by four, and if I were to place it, stretch it across the two altars right here, and take a single wheel wheelbarrow and place it right there on the altar, and I were to ask you, do you believe that I could push the wheelbarrow across the two by four? I would hope that you would think I have that ability and that your answer would be, well, absolutely, right? If I were to say, Brother Matt, do you believe I could push the 
Yeah, he's shaking his head, yeah. And I would say, all right, get in. It'd be a whole different ballgame, wouldn't it, right? It'd be a whole different ballgame when I say get in the wheelbarrow, right? That's placing your faith in what you believe in, right? That's what it means to place your faith in Jesus Christ. And if you will but place your faith in Jesus, Lord, I, I believe that you exist. I believe that you created me, but I surrender my life to you. I repent of my sins. I want to look forward to your appearing and live for your glory. And may my life bring you praise and worship all the days of my life. Today is the day of salvation. And for you that are saved, may you love his appearing. May you live your life for the glory of God in such a way that when the last trumpet sounds and the dead in Christ rise first, that we meet him joyfully together in the air. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we give you glory and honor and praise. We thank you for the glory that you have revealed in the person of Jesus, and we thank you that this life is not the end of all things. Father, we don't live and we die. It's lights out. It's over, but you have prepared a place for those who love and serve you, have repented of their sins, in which we will live forever with you, and you will wipe the tears away from our eyes and end all things that bring pain and grief and sorrow to our hearts and that makes us long to see you even more. Father, may we look forward to your appearing. I ask you this morning to deal with every heart and every life that is here today. Oh God, minister to us and let every heart that's here draw nigh to you and not farther away. May we look to you for our hope and our refuge and our salvation. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for being in Revival with us here at Abundant Grace Church. Our normal podcast has new episodes every Tuesday where you can listen in and join us in the classroom as we go through content just like you heard 